Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Wednesday. This is Seattle Now. Thinking about COVID may have moved down on your to-do list, but scientists are tracking a new variant of interest that's highly transmissible. It's being called the Kraken, and it's the dominant strain in the Northeast. Dr. Pavitra Roychaudhry at UW Virology is here to talk about the variant and what we might see in the Northwest. But first, let's get you caught up. Seattle Public Schools says eliminating social media is not the goal of its recent lawsuit against TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and YouTube. The district sent out an email Tuesday to clarify the suit is meant to force social media companies to make more of an effort to safeguard students' mental health. SPS also stressed that no district funds are being spent to fund the lawsuit and attorney's fees are only paid if there's a monetary settlement. Washington Senator Patty Murray is now chair of the powerful Senate Appropriations Committee. On her first day, she and Republican Vice Chair Senator Susan Collins sent a joint statement calling for a bipartisan approach to funding the nation's spending bills. They say they're committed to funding the government in 2023 and committed to passing the Senate's appropriations bills in a regular order. And in case you missed it, Lisa Mannion was officially sworn in as King County Prosecuting Attorney Monday. She's the first woman and first person of color in the position. Mannion takes over a 4,000 case backlog, which is being attributed to the pandemic. Around here, when you hear the word Kraken, you think hockey. But now the name of the mythical sea monster can be heard in conversations about COVID. There's a new Omicron subvariant spreading in the U.S., XBB 1.5. And scientists have been referring to it as Kraken because it's more transmissible than any other variant. At the beginning of last month, it accounted for just 1% of all U.S. COVID cases. Now it's the dominant strain in the Northeast, according to the CDC. Dr. Pavitra Roychaudhry is director of COVID-19 sequencing at the UW Virology Lab. She's here to give us an update on this variant and the outlook locally. Thanks for being here, Dr. Roychaudhry. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So I read this new variant is so infectious that some experts are saying people may not be able to avoid getting infected by it. That is a little terrifying. It is scary thinking that we are three years you know, into the pandemic and you could st- take all these vaccines and still get COVID. But the fact of the matter is, thanks to the protection from vaccination or from prior immunity, especially if you had COVID recently, chances are you might might get this variant because it's so transmissible, but it's likely that that infection will be mild. Okay, let's talk about why it's being called the Kraken. Sure. Over the course of the pandemic, we've seen many variants come you know, sweep through and maybe be replaced by another one. As the virus has spread and it's become increasingly diverse over time, it's become more and more complicated to keep track of all the different branches on this big complex family tree. And so um, there's a need to have, you know, short names to communicate about particular variants of interest. I think many people around the world have taken it upon themselves to give some of these sublineages nicknames, and that's where the Kraken term comes from. All right, so the nickname is one thing, but the infectiousness of this particular variant is really concerning. Let's talk about that. That's right. So as you know, we track variants over time uh, by sequencing. 
Uh, and what we're interested in seeing is the portions of different lineages uh, over time and tracking the ones that seem to be rising in proportion rapidly. Um, so XBB 1.5 is one where, you know, for a while now, over the last several months, we haven't had a variant that has taken off at that speed. Uh, we've seen this kind of a bubbling soup of different sublineages that have been competing with each other, but we haven't seen a single lineage really take off extremely rapidly. Uh, and in the Northeast, um, as you said, XBB 1.5 went from under 10% to now representing close to 70% of cases sequenced. And so that's where the concern uh, comes from is because that's our first indicator that a particular sublineage or a variant might be something different, might be more infectious or might be evading uh, our immune system better. Interesting. You know, let's talk a little bit about how we're tracking COVID right now because if you have a positive COVID test, and don't seek out the antiretrovirals from your doctor, you could have COVID and nobody knows about it in terms of public health. So how are we tracking cases right now and how reliable are our numbers? A lot of people are either not seeking testing at all or they're relying on home tests to determine whether they have COVID or not. We do continue to do sequencing of whatever samples we receive that are positive. Um, so we still have the ability to estimate that proportion over time. But apart from uh, PCR testing and rapid testing, there's also wastewater testing. So wastewater concentrations of SARS-CoV-2 have shown in previous waves to be pretty good indicators of surges to come. Uh, and so when we look at that data right now, we can see that there is a, a rise in the amount of uh, SARS-CoV-2 in wastewater, but that level is nowhere close to the uh, you know, first Omicron wave uh, at the beginning of 2022. So there is um, some, <laughs> some uh, optimism there that hopefully this surge is not as bad as uh, prior waves. Okay, and I want to go back to this. You know, they're still close to 400 deaths a day in the U.S. from COVID, according to the CDC, and less than 30% of people in King County are up to date on their bivalent booster. Is that concerning to you? What could that mean for us? This is, this is a good point. So there's always a lag between cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. So when we think about whether this particular variant is you know, really severe or how that's going to impact the population, we already talked about how test numbers are not the greatest predictor. And really, the better measure of how severe this variant is and how it's going to impact our population is by looking at the hospitalizations and the deaths, uh, the death numbers. And that data is something that takes time to be gathered. So the hope is that you know, looking at, you know, the wastewater trends and so on, we're hoping that the, the impact on this variant is not going to be as severe as the as prior waves, some of our prior waves. But there is data to show that the bivalent booster will protect against severe disease in people who've been infected with this new subvariant XBB 1.5. So with that in mind, I think that it is slightly concerning that there's you know, so few people who have received that bivalent booster. And many scientists have, have said that the best protection at this point is to get that booster. Let's talk a little bit about our behaviors. You know, we've been living with COVID now for three years. And thanks to vaccines and drug treatments, as we've been discussing, there's fewer hospitalizations and deaths. 
Public health is saying to mask up again. Some people are masking, some people are not. It's kind of weird out there. You know, how should we approach this for the long term? Are we just going to keep muddling through like this? I think, you know, there's many parts of the world where masking is quite common. You know, if you go to many parts of Southeast Asia, it's just seen as a courtesy that if you have the sniffles or or if you have a family member who's sick, you just put on a mask. And, you know, I think now that these respiratory viruses have become so prevalent all over the world and there's increasing awareness of their frequency and their evolution over time that people will use the data that is now available out there um, to make these decisions about their daily lives, about whether to mask, about to go, about whether to go into crowded indoor settings and so on. There is a level of fatigue for all of us. Um, you know, we certainly don't want to have shutdowns or those kinds of things that we saw uh, early in the pandemic. But we now have much better tools. One, we have better tracking. We have, uh, you know, the vaccines that protect against severe disease. And we have antivirals that can also prevent us from getting extremely sick. You know, we've been talking a lot about what public health has learned and how we have better tracking and how much we've learned over these past three years. Where is the work that still needs to be done? I work in variant surveillance, and I'm really interested in understanding what is circulating. And, you know, we have really good data here in Washington, and we're really fortunate to have these systems set up. And indeed, in the United States, we have this national network that is trying to track variants uh, in different regions. But this is not true around the world. There are many parts of the world where we do not have enough data on variant surveillance. And if we don't know what is circulating in those regions, given the amount of travel that happens, it's not long before a variant um, that's affecting one part of the world emerges uh, in in another. So I think there's still a lot to be done in making variant surveillance equitable and uh, distributed across the world. Uh, Similarly, there are still parts of the world where there isn't access to vaccination and there isn't access to Uh, these therapies that we are fortunate to have um, here in the United States. So I think um, those are the three main things that that we need to tackle globally in order to get a handle on the on this variant and and any others that emerge. Dr. Pavitra Roy Chaudhry, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for your insight. Thank you for talking to me. Dr. Pavitra Roy Chaudhry is the director of COVID-19 sequencing at Virology Lab. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Jenny Cecil Moore. The show is also produced by Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Vaughn Jones, Claire McGrain, and Brandy Polwood. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow.